Welcome to the Psychology Podcast with Dr. Paul. Edgy by name and by nature, the Psychology Podcast will provide you with a competitive edge from education through to registration. Dr. Paul supports your transformation into becoming a psychologist, counsellor or allied mental health practitioner. Now, here's Dr. Paul. Good morning, good afternoon or good evening wherever you are in the world today. This is Dr. Paul. I'm here with another special guest episode of the Psychology Podcast. And today we have a very special guest who comes from a very diverse background working in higher education, but the uh, organisation he works in has vocational focus as well. So, Ben, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience, please? Thanks, Paul. Yeah, my name's Ben Allett. Um Traditionally a psychologist, or come from a psychology background, I um, certainly wouldn't call myself a psychologist anymore, but you're right, I work uh, in what is traditionally a TAFE, but we consider ourselves dual sector and we have a, a whole bunch of higher education offerings and, and degrees and pathways that we work into. And, you know, I started in the traditional academic sense, I suppose, and, you know, that pathway to postdoc and was hoping to be professor, I suppose, at one stage. And ended up in a situation where I am now where I feel I can actually really help students into education who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity. And that, of course, that education institution is Chisholm. And before we get there, though, Ben, can we just share a little bit of your background? So what got you into studying psychology in the first place? What's your origin story, for want of a better phrase? My origin story? You know, this is one of those funny things where you're always hoping someone will ask you these questions because you're actually, you know, you're telling yourself the story all the time. Look, I, I had a pretty traditional middle-class upbringing, to be honest, in Melbourne and um you know, it was mum and dad's idea that you'd go to high school and go straight to uni. Now, I sort of did that, but went into a Bachelor of Commerce Arts, and I had no interest in commerce, like absolutely zero interest. About the same time, um, I bought a book called um, Shadows in the Brain, I think, or Mirrors in the Brain, I'm going to forget now, but by V.S. Ramachandran, um, and it was about... Um, the mirror system and how um, the brain worked and phantom limbs and those sorts of things. And it really piqued my interest in neuroscience in particular. Um, I had a year or so off and I decided I wanted to do psychology. It was something that I had a pretty solid interest in by this stage and particularly in neuroscience. And I went to La Trobe Uni and enrolled in their Bachelor of Behavioural Science and was interested enough in it that I did quite well. And I think that's always important that you're not going to do well in something unless you have that interest in it. And I was very interested in everything neuroscience and psychology, so did did quite well. Uh, by the time I was finishing up my third year, I was employed as a research assistant as well. And I then went into my honours program and got very, very lucky and was supervised in my honours program by Professor Antonio Paolini, but also um, Nobel Prize nominee, Professor Graham Clark. And I got to work on uh, developing a new range of cochlear implants um, and testing those cochlear implants to see whether we could produce high fidelity sound, as well as being able, given the opportunity to help in overseeing research projects for third year students. Um, By the time I was in my PhD, I was teaching as you do, 
uh, teaching cognitive psychology and I continued on in a similar field looking at auditory prostheses for my PhD before being a little bit of a science vagabond, I suppose, and um, making my way around multiple universities, working at Latrobe, working at RMIT before I took on a postdoc position at Monash University, um, working into traumatic brain injury and the neuroscience behind traumatic brain injury, as well as um, auditory neuroscience and uh, tactile, uh, tactile neuroscience, for lack of a better term. And I was also the lecturer for um, auditory neuroscience um, and got to teach a couple of times into medicine as well. So had a really broad range of topics uh, that I got to follow and cover and was really interested in. And then it got to that point of my career where really I needed to fund my own research. And I felt that the funding situation in Australia wasn't, wasn't great and that there wasn't a lot of money and that it felt to me, and I don't know how, how nice this sounds, a bit like a lottery and that I was putting uh, buying a ticket to a lottery where, you know, I wasn't sure if I'd have job security. So I went, applied for a job as course coordinator for the Bachelor of Community Mental Health, Alcohol and Other Drugs at Chisholm, went to Chisholm Institute and um, completely restructured that degree to be more in line with how I understood higher education and what I thought were ways that Texa would see this being as a better, more compliant and better run degree. And I was fully supported at Chisholm, just got really, well, I suppose I got lucky. Um, I did leave briefly to be the academic director of a private um, higher education institute that um, delivered postgraduate degrees in psychology ran about 40 staff there. So that was my foray into running multiple degrees. I went back to Chisholm um, and was the manager of higher education there. And we had got really lucky and had a dean come on at the time. And he and I and our governance officer at the time built the higher education college at Chisholm from the ground up. So it didn't exist. We brought all the degrees that Chisholm had because there were there were nine of them or, or ten of them and we brought them all under the same business area and developed a system where we could deliver higher education to a really high standard and have an oversight and governance that would allow us to have consistency across all those degrees as well in terms of how we delivered. I was made Deputy Dean and got to work under Andrew Bridges, I started writing degrees from scratch, um, getting them accredited by TEXA, getting them accredited by relevant accrediting bodies. And then this year I was made Dean um, and I'm sort of doing a lot of similar stuff, but now I, I suppose I'm, you know, in front of um, industry and government more than I probably was in the past. So that's it, you know, I won't say nutshell because that was quite a long spiel. It was, but if I can just touch on a couple of points within your conversation with me there. Yeah. The first one being is I think students have this ambition that it's going to be a very straight linear process from the day they start their degree to where they want to head. Your journey had ebbs and flows and twists and roundabouts in it. What do you say to students that might be listening thinking, how am I going to plan it given I've just heard Ben talk about his uh, I guess, uh, consideration in the different pathways he took. H how do I plan for the future on that, Ben? 
I think that's such a good question. And I'm not sure if I've got a, a brilliant answer for it, but if I if I embed that in a psychology context, I think almost every student who enters psychology has that exact linear pathway in their mind. They say, I'm going to do a psychology degree, I'll do my honours and a master's and I'll be a clinical psychologist. And it's almost painted like that's the only pathway that you have when you enter those sorts of degrees. I would say just be open all the time to the not only situations that come up, but also be open to the fact that your own mind's going to change about what you want to do. You know, like you, you might think to yourself, I'm going to be you know, a great neuroscientist or a great researching um, scientist, but just be open to new opportunities. And it's okay if you change your mind and you know want to go into management or even if you want to leave academia and go and do other things, it's completely okay. Don't feel that that pathway you've set for yourself is set in stone. It's completely open and just be malleable, I suppose. A very, very salient point. And I think um, having a growth mindset is probably the most apt term for what you've uh, articulated there in whatever you do. And of course, one degree is just one facet in the chain now with the four plus two being uh, ceased in July um, this year. It effectively now becomes a fifth and a fifth and a sixth year program that you'll be looking for. So it's six long years before you get to get into the wide world of practice and and many things can happen. If I can bring us back to Chisholm now and, you know, moving from being uh, a student to a PhD, which effectively is your apprenticeship and becoming a teacher and then moving from that into writing courses tell us about the wonderful courses in the higher education domain at Chisholm that you're running right now so at Chisholm we have some well-established courses that we've been running for quite a while we've got a bachelor of engineering technology and a bachelor of community mental health alcohol and other drugs obviously quite different fields but nevertheless um, the bachelor of engineering technology is a very hands-on degree. So TISM, while yes, we are held to the same standards as every other higher education provider in terms of our standards, um, we want to create hands-on degrees as much as possible and incorporate that theory in hands-on. So we have these fantastic labs with um, programmable logic controllers, logistic controllers. We have robots and vision systems and 3D printers that that TISM students just get hands-on with all the time and work integrated learning aspects to that degree too. So students are actually required to go into the workforce as part of their degree um, and complete a project and complete some time in the workforce. Similarly, the Bachelor of Community Mental Health um, is quite hands-on with counselling components and lots of theory on mental health and lots of theory around alcohol and other drugs with work integrated learning components. And we also have the Graduate Certificate of Family Violence, which um, was established about five years ago and now has two streams, so a prevention and practice stream and a working with men stream. And it's a very popular course and a fan, one of our flagship courses, I suppose, in that the we believe, you know, that the quality is the best out there for a grad cert in family violence at Chisholm. And the program, I think, is the best family violence program. More recently, we have gotten into writing degrees and you're right, I just, uh, I, I hadn't written degrees before. As with most academics, I'd written changes to unit guides and, you know, made suggestions to structural changes of degrees. But we wanted to really strengthen this idea at Chisholm of having a pathway into 
university level qualifications. And so what we did is we said, let's write a psychology degree, condense all of that psychology that you need into two years and we'll make the entry year a diploma. And so I sat down and in between being frantic and running, managing my, or not not managing, working with my team um, and, you know, making sure I met other deadlines, wrote that degree, wrote all the unit outlines and made sure that it did fit, fit APAC requirements for foundational competencies. Basically, we did that by removing the option of um, uh, electives. So in a traditional degree stream, you know, you go off and you do a couple of other things. I did sociology because I really loved it during uni, for example. But we we removed that ability um, for students to do electives. There's only one elective in the program and instead put all of that psychology and those foundational competencies into two years. So um, really happy with the model where the first institute in Australia recently, I should say, actually, I did find out, recently have a um, this pathway model approved where it's essentially diploma and then two years of full-time study to get your bachelor degree. I did find out very recently that before TEXA existed, this style of degree existed too, but they'd been, um, well, there'd been a stop to it, I suppose, and people had stopped making that pathway option. And then just recently we had that degree accredited by APAC as well. So that pathway model um, now means that there's students from non-traditional backgrounds who can do a diploma, come into psychology, do that six-year program that you'd mentioned if they if they like, um, and become clinical psychologists. I always thought that there was a whole bunch of people out there with great personalities who would be good psychologists who probably didn't have the opportunities when they were younger to get those sort of ATARs they needed to enter the, the psychology programs. And now there's a way for those students to get into psychology and get into postgraduate psychology. Brilliant. And uh, APAC, just for the listeners, what's APAC then? The Australian Psychology Accreditation Council. So they are the, um, they basically say yay or nay for whether your degree can be accredited by them. And if you want to be a psychologist, um, you need to do an APAC accredited stream of qualification. So um, if you want to be a registered psychologist, obviously that means an APAC accredited master's or clinical master's, but um, APAC accredited undergrad degrees like ours and honours degrees are also essential in that pathway for psychologists to actually be clinicians. Well, congratulations on getting the program through. And I think the point that was made very well and articulated very well by you just now is for all our listeners who believe that they might not have an accessibility to become a psychologist, having that diploma in the first year gives them the capacity to come into the program and do those full years, the two full years, and progress forward into whatever pathway they've got. And you are a shining example of multiple pathways. So, you know, never give up on your dream of becoming a psychologist if that's what you wish to do. But also Chisholm has support for, you mentioned men's behavioural and you mentioned mental health and AOD support systems. So there's an ecosystem of, Um, courses people can undertake 
I'm a yep. firm believer that even if you've got a bachelor's degree in psychology, you know, you still haven't practiced, you still don't have the skills for deliberate practice in 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 the, I guess, the industry. And so having that connection to industry is very strong. Are there going to be any advancements on bringing people in from industry to support the students learning from an, a, a sector perspective, Ben? Absolutely. And funny that you bring that up. Um, I've been talking about this over the last couple of days and we we actually want to move to a model where we have such close ties to industry that um, we want to provide industry credit. And I, I don't know if you're, you're aware of those sorts of situations where people can come from particular workforce, workplaces and be provided credit for units that match them. Um, and it benefits industry, obviously, because they're upskilling their staff, but it also benefits students in making their educational journey a little bit more flexible because there's fewer units to do. So absolutely, I mean, industry is engaged at all points of course development. Um, when we're writing it, we need to get industry engagement. We also have industry advisory committees that sit over the top of our courses. But it's interesting you say about the practice piece, because I think particularly in psychology, a lot of students when they enter think that we're going to be sitting there talking about diagnoses and, you know, therapeutic options for diagnoses and are quite surprised when we're sitting there talking about form constancy in visual perception, do you know what I mean, and, and priming effects and memory effects and and probably think, how is, how is this psychology? Whereas... You know, they, you get all that foundation, whereas those other degrees that you talked about, like mental health, they are far more practical. They're, they're hands-on from the beginning. They're giving students that ability to go out and work as mental health caseworkers the day they finish their degrees. And I think um, it's already been floated, and you and I might talk about this, Paul, in sometime in the future, that having a double degree or a combination of that community mental health and psychology I think would be a um, really great combination. I think, you know, and it's true for me, for all the students, the hundreds of thousands of students I've worked with, not all of them pursue psychology as a practitioner. Some end up being a practitioner and a researcher. Some end up being a researcher and some end up just having the degree because they work in child services or DHHS and they want to become more versed in the common terminology and understand how the clinicians work in those sectors. And I think there's this holistic framework that can be built with education that supports industry and I'm really pleased to hear that come through in your uh, commentary today I think that's brilliant Ben it sounds like Chisholm's really got its act together and providing exceptional pathways um, specifically to do with the uh, vocationally focused courses are these delivered online multimodal are they on campus give us a little bit of an understanding about delivery mechanisms so for the voc, I mean, it's it's very similar to higher ed vocational education in terms of the types of delivery there can be. I suppose for for the listeners who aren't aware, vocational education though traditionally has been understood as being behavioural. So you're getting a skill set, a behavioural skill set. So they can be face to face. I mean, um, we've got diplomas in counselling, for example, um, which are very hands on and need to be face to face. Diplomas in engineering. They obviously have a lot of hands-on components to them as well. Um, and then there's your traditional, there are a whole bunch of online diplomas that you can do as well. I mean, diplomas in accounting and business and IT, for example. So there, there is 
scope for blended style delivery in vocational education as well. Um, but the traditional understanding is that it's much more behavioural, I suppose, than than theoretical. But we think that it, having that skill set, that practical skill set before you come into a degree is actually a benefit to students because they get both of those different types of learning um, before they complete their degree. I agree with you. And one of the things that was a function of my PhD thesis was this lessons of life. So the school of life, being a great practitioner and being ethical and being considerate and uh, understanding cultural competence and having humility for the diversity of people we deal with is a function of life maturity in some instances. That's not to say that people that are coming straight out of school can't build that capability, but typically you'll see there's two groups of students coming in, those coming directly from the uh, high school education pathways, some that go into a one-year, two-year transition period, and they might do a diploma, which your course then supports that into second year, or they may be have gone through two or three life course career changes and at 40 or 50 or whatever age group they choose to say, listen, this is not where I want to work. I want to work in a different area. They then reskill or cross skill or upskill into a new domain. And so you have this opportunity from what it sounds like at Chisholm to capture the audience being students um, to bring them into a pathway that best suits their life course. Have I summed that up all right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a really good point as well. Just the the diversity of you know career outcomes that people might go on to choose. And you brought it up earlier. I mean, being very biased towards psychology, I think that's why psychology is such a great degree as well. Because even if you're not a clinician, you get the research, the, the mathematics, the writing, the understanding of human thought. And in our program, you've also got that you know um, job ready skills from your diploma to just go out and do it. I mean, yesterday I was teaching. It wasn't yesterday. Today's Friday. On Wednesday I was teaching and we were talking about those things, you know, um, priming for memory and how priming can change um, your ability to perceive things. And I was talking to the students about this is why psychology is a great job if you wanted to go corporate or into advertising at any stage because, as you know, there might be some ethical greyness to this, but you know, you can understand how people think and what things can trigger people to buy, for example. And it just gives you all of those brilliant thinking skills. Again, we do have other great degrees, but psychology, um, from my perspective, offers a lot of great skills. I think they're translatable, transferable skills, yeah. as you've mentioned, and I think you're right. Um it's, it's not so much the greyness of it. It's about awareness and understanding and having that provides you a competitive edge in industry, no matter what sector you're in. And I'll be honest, I think just being versed in how we can communicate better as individuals breeds a lot more tolerance in society. It'll create tolerance in the workplace. It will provide support for your own family units and for your future family units if you don't have one yet. And just give you the sensibility about knowing something about humanistic behavior in a very, very fundamental way that you can apply. Ben, is there anything you'd like to say about the course or the program for students that you think might be interesting um, or any life lesson that you've learned along your journey that would be of benefit to students listening? Uh, look, I'd be remiss of me not to mention also that we obviously do have other courses other than psychology. We just had a business degree accredited on Monday by Texa. Um, so we're about to roll that out. But, I mean, for this particular podcast and for psych, 
as I said, I think at the start of the, the session here with you, if you're interested in it, it's the best way to make sure that you're going to stick to not just stick to it, but commit to it. And a lot of us do have that fundamental interest in psychology. How does the brain work? How do we perceive things? How do we think? Um, you know, that great question that students bring up, do I see the same blue as everybody else sees? You know, those sorts of questions we we have. And psychology is the field, if you want to do it, that can help you answer those questions. I would just say for students who are interested in psychology, jump on it and do it because um, I'm still not bored of it, you know, 20-something years into it or whatever it is. I, I'm still really enjoying psychology and I'm sure I will for the rest of my life. So if you have that interest, I, I just encourage people to jump on it. Thank you, Ben. And I concur with that. Uh, it's the same, you know, you learn about yourself. There's self-reflexive capacity that you build through studying psychology. You learn about others. Uh, it is a, a lifelong journey of learning when you look at psychology. And the unfortunate thing, I guess, for practitioners in the field is it's changing all the time from a science perspective. It's also changing from a research perspective. And then obviously that filters into daily practice and we have to change things. And the big change has been, you know, moving online and how do we build rapport with clients over telehealth and, you know, what is the inception of AI and apps and all these other sort of developments that are coming in technology and how does that fit in and I think programs need to be up to date with that information and share the best of that for I guess suitability for people to practice. Ben thank you so much for being part of the podcast today it is an absolute pleasure and I look forward to catching up with you soon when you come back to me and say we're going to have another podcast about a double degree or dual diploma or whatever guys you want to put that together and see no. how we can conjure oh, some I think more. We, we, we might be working together on that Paul some stage <laughs> in the future <laughs> so, All right. yeah thanks Ben I really do appreciate it and um yeah thanks for being on the podcast see you bye, bye. Thank you.